Well, friends, for our message today, I'm very proud to introduce uh, my good friend, Diana White. She is the executive pastor at Good Shepherd United Methodist Church, not too far from here, down 152. I first met Diana when she was my boss, uh, but since then, she's uh, certainly been way more than that. Uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Do you remember the 60s and 70s Batman show with Adam West, right? And he had that red, the bat phone, right? The direct line between the commissioner and Batman. Diane is one of my bat phone people. You know, when, when you need her, uh, call in case of emergency, she's always there. Uh, Diane is from Farmington, Missouri. Uh, she and I have had a lot of adventures together. Uh, we've karaoke John Denver together. Uh, something that I was going to share, but then she ended up referencing her sermon. Diana is not only a lover of, but an excellent preparer. She's famous for her hot dogs. Uh, we, they were called D-dogs, and it was, oh, is it D-dog day? This is, this is great. Anyway, she'll tell you more about that. So I'm very proud uh, that she gets to meet you all and that you all get to hear the word from my good friend. Won't you help me welcome Diana White? I finally get a walk-up song. <laughs> All right, there we go, there we go. Well, good morning, everybody. Is anybody hungry for a hot dog? Yeah? I know that's what I'm having when I leave here. So we've just met, but we are going to go on an outing together because it's spring break time for a lot of people, and it's also opening week for baseball, if you're a baseball fan. And as you know, uh, you kind of know maybe what baseball is. Maybe you've been to the current Kauffman Stadium. Maybe you've been to another stadium because the Royals just aren't your thing. But you know baseball, okay? Well, we're going to go on an outing to somewhere none of us have been before because it does not yet exist. We are going to go to the new Kauffman Stadium. So we are prophets. We already know where it's going to be, right? A lot of people have no idea what this place is going to be yet. But we know, and we're going to go there today. So there's a lot of things we think about. So if you're like my 20-year-old daughter, you want to know what to wear. So you text all your friends. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? I now have 50-year-old friends who do the same thing. I don't think you have to be 20. We want to know what to wear. Now, baseball, sometimes we're hot there, sometimes we're cold there. Rarely is there just this, like, beautiful day where we're perfectly comfortable. So we want to know what we're going to wear. Well, where do we park? Uh, we're not used to, we're used to driving out I-70, so I don't know how to cross the river, right, maybe? I don't like to do that, so I don't know where to park. How much does it cost? Do I have to go online to get my ticket? What's it going to be like once I get there? How are we all going to get to sit together? So there's a lot of us today going on this outing. How do we get our tickets? All these logistical things that we think about when we're going somewhere new. Well, we're there in our imaginary scenario. We're at the new Kauffman Stadium, and we know where it is. We're lucky. Don't tell anyone. So we get there. We're in the parking lot, ready to go in. And then, you know, like at the current Kauffman Stadium, I know how to go in the third base side. That's usually where my seats are. But where do we, where do we go in? We don't know where we're going. We're all brand new. So we, we enter, just like everyone else, we follow people in, 
So we find a nice person with the name tag and show our tickets, and we say, um, could you help us find our seats? There's a lot of us. And she says, oh, you got a great view of the six hole. We're like, what? I thought we were here for baseball. That sounds like golf. So we keep walking, and then we ask someone else, and she says, oh, you guys are in the can of corn zone. The what? I'm here for a hot dog. Where's the corn? So we find ourselves in the outfield section. Find our seats. We're all sitting there, all comfortable. I decide it's time for me to get a hot dog. I go to try to find a hot dog. You go to try to find your favorite treat. Maybe it's a nacho. Maybe it's those big hats that have all that goopy food in there. But you go to find yourself something to eat, and they don't have any of our specialties. They have like chicken kebabs or fancy pork chops or something, turkey on a stick. I don't know. But they don't have our regular favorite things. Well, this is weird. And then the announcements start, and they say, everybody stand up. We're going to recite Major League Baseball Code of Conduct for Spectators. We're like, what the heck? Where are we? I just came to watch baseball. All these things are going on. Personally, I don't really know you people either. <laughs> I know Adam and Sarah, and so I'm starting to think, well, I'm really uncomfortable. Thought we were all here for something. I don't know my way around. I feel really out of place. But then in our imaginary story, this really wonderful perky person comes up to us and says, welcome to the new Kauffman Stadium, your new home for the Royals. You're part of all of this. You're part of the fun of this. We're all getting used to this stuff together. Can I help you in any way? Anybody need anything? Where can I get a hot dog? <laughs> so this nice man takes me to get a hot dog. Well, I think I might come back. We'll come back to visit. Being a stranger, it is a really bad feeling for me. Not my favorite place to be. Not my favorite place to go somewhere I've never been. I'm, I'm curious, and I can do research to go online and figure something out about the place, know what the weather's going to be, know where to park, know a little bit of what to expect. But oftentimes, going to a new place is far less intimidating than being with the people I don't know. Can you guys think of, like, the last time you were new to something, the last time you've never been somewhere? It's, it's really not a fun place to be. There's this movement that happens when a stranger comes into our, our midst, or we are the stranger. I'm going to tell you a story today about our friend Jesus. Um, it comes from the Gospel of Luke. And it happens that there are these two men that are on a walk. They're, they're walking to their town that they're from. It's three days after their friend, their teacher, the person they had followed, has died. Their friend Jesus. These two disciples watched their friend. They followed him. They learned from him. They watched him do amazing, crazy things that were inspiring and transforming. And then he died. The leaders killed him, nailed him to a cross. But this third day, something really crazy happened. And these two women go to the tomb to check on the grave, and Jesus isn't there. But angels tell them, Jesus is alive. 
So there's this mixed feeling that I'm guessing these two people have of sadness, of grief, and also of what the heck? <laughs> what the heck is this all about? And so we're going to be reading Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 13. Starts with that same day, which is three days after Jesus has died. Two of his followers were going to a town named Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about everything that had happened. And while they were talking, discussing these things, Jesus himself comes near and walks with them. But they don't recognize him as Jesus. He's this stranger, someone they don't know. Jesus asks them, what is this I hear you discussing with each other as you walk? And these two men, they stop. Their faces are very sad. The one named Cleopas said, well, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what has just happened here. Jesus, who is still this stranger, said, well, what are you talking about? Jesus is a stranger. He comes up to them. They don't recognize him. They, they, I can hear them like sarcastically, like, well, have you been living under a rock or what? How the heck don't you know what's going on? Like, everybody knows what's going on. Who are you that you don't know what's happening? This guy from Nazareth named Jesus. And they proceed to tell this stranger the story of what just happened. I really love, uh, there's a couple things about this, this walk to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24 that I love the story. But a couple things about these pieces that really stick out to me is the fact that I'm not sure I would be as gracious as these two men. If I'm walking along and I'm sad and confused and I'm sharing that with my friend and somebody I didn't know walked up, I can't say that I would stop and talk to them. And for sure that I would bring them into the conversation. Bringing a stranger into my circle, my friend, that, that doesn't feel like something natural to do. And secondly, I really love that they didn't recognize Jesus. Because I think that shows us that it's okay. Like these are men who had walked with Jesus. These are men who had watched all these amazing things happen. And yet they still doubted. They still doubted this was Jesus. They doubted the story that Jesus had risen. They knew these, Jesus had told them these things are going to happen, but yet they still doubted it. And I think that's somewhat comforting for us that sometimes Jesus feels like a stranger to us as well. Walking up to us and we don't recognize. Can you remember that feeling? Maybe you, maybe you feel that now. Maybe that sentiment is close to you. That, you know, this faith thing that we're on, is, it's not a stationary thing. Like it starts, but it keeps moving. So sometimes we ebb and flow in and out of this belief, this faith, that this is real. Is this really, is this Jesus thing really real? Sometimes Jesus can feel like a stranger. We go looking for Jesus. You're all here this morning. That means something. That means maybe you're looking for Jesus somehow. But do you know that one of the places where people can feel the, the most like a stranger is church? The most awkward, the most uncomfortable, the most um, 
not knowing what to expect. If you're new here, you, can, you know what I'm talking about. Where do I park? What do I wear? Where do I sit? Are these people going to be weird? Is the coffee free? Where is the coffee? Do they have coffee? All of these questions. And then, you know, you, you, you show up at a church and you hear things like a narthex or a creed or liturgy or um, they tell you to go to holy grounds and you're like, I just want a cup of coffee. Can you just call it a coffee, coffee bar? Like our six hole, which by the way, a six hole is if you hit a line drive between shortstop and third base. My husband played baseball, so I know that. And a can of corn is a high fly ball. So friends, we're sitting in the outfield, in case you didn't know these things. You learned something at church today. But this idea that we use words, we use things that somebody who's new to church or new to faith, like you show up because of Jesus. You show up because you're looking for Jesus, you're looking to learn more, maybe you're looking to grow in your faith, but you show up to this place where there's people, the people that sometimes are more intimidating than the place. I can look up on your website and see what time to get here, but it's the people that make the difference. There's this shift in how we're received. When I show up to a new place that I've never been before, um, I find the bathroom first. I think maybe I was a dog in a former life. <laughs> Got to mark my territory. I get it. I get it. Whatever it takes to make us comfortable, we do. But the difference in a stranger moving to this position of being a guest is how we're received. I don't know about you, but I am really good at being a guest. I nail it. I show up. Someone tells me where to go, what to do. I'm really good at that. You've been talking the last several weeks about this discipleship pathway that, you, that you're on at your church. And it's, it's beautiful, this idea of this constant movement back and forth from things, from being, to being a friend of God, to being Christ followers, Christ-centered, to being forgiving, to being a contributor. And today we're talking about this movement from being a guest to being a host. Well, you really only become a guest Movement from the stranger, as long as somebody is there to receive you. And the final verses we're going to read today are verse 28 and 29. I want to tell you what happens when they reach their destination. So verse 28, they came near the town of Emmaus, and Jesus acted as if he did not plan to stop there. He was kind of waiting to see what they were going to do. But they wanted him to stay, so they begged him, stay with us. It's almost night. There's hardly any daylight left. So he went in to stay with them. They invited this, this stranger on this path. They invited him into their home. Later in the story, um, we learn that over dinner, Jesus reveals himself to them. They had welcomed this stranger. They had allowed him to be their guest. And then Jesus reveals himself to them. Being a guest. Guest privileges. So Jesus is in their home. They're probably like got the temperature just right. They probably prepared a nice table, a nice seat for him at the table. So I want to I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you 
to think about one of the best guest experiences you've ever had. What did it feel like? Maybe what did it smell like? Who talked to you? What were the little things that made it so special? How many people did you tell about it? Did you go back if you could? All right, back to reality. I love guest privileges. I love that feeling. I tell people about it. I want them to experience it too. But those guest privileges only happen because somebody was expecting us. Somebody prepared for us. Somebody anticipated our arrival, anticipated our needs, looked at, thing, looked at things through eyes of a new person so that when we arrived as a new person, we felt welcomed. A host. It's a responsibility. It's not easy. We like to be comfortable. Heck, since COVID, I don't know that you can even buy a pair of pantyhose anymore or a pair of dress pants. We've moved to all these comfort things. We want to be comfortable in our clothes and our shoes, and we want the temperatures just right. We want to feel comfortable with the people that we're with. Comfort is what we seek. But a guest feels comfortable, but only because somebody planned for them. So 18 years ago, uh, we were looking for a new church. And there was a church, we had an infant daughter, and there was a church just down the road from where we lived. And so it, my daughter was going to go to preschool there, and so my husband and I said, we really, this, we really want this church to work, because this would be really great. Well, he was working nights, so I started going by myself, me and my daughter. And it was so awkward, literally so awkward. I was used to hymns, I was used to traditional worship, and the, the worship leader didn't wear shoes, and he played songs I didn't know. It was weird. The people, it was just, they weren't people I recognized or I knew. It was just so awkward. But it was really important to me to go, and I wanted to know more about Jesus. I love Jesus, and so I kept telling myself, I'm going because of Jesus. Well, this is no exaggeration. For probably two months, if not three months, in worship, the pastor, they would do the sign of peace where the pastor would actually leave the stage and he would walk all the way around the worship center. And I would sit in the back row, front back row. He would literally come to the person on my right and shake their hand. And then he would come to the person on my left and shake their hand. And he did it every single week. I thought it was a fluke at first. I thought, well, maybe he just doesn't recognize me. But he did it every single week to the point where it became comical. And my husband would go, I would go home and my husband would be like, well, did, it, did the pastor talk to you today? No. But I kept going back. It was all awkward. I was a stranger. The pastor didn't talk to me. But do you know who did? The person who worked in the nursery. I would take my daughter to the nursery, and the first day, of course, they have to ask your child's name, right? So someone engaged with me. But then he would say, have a great week. And then when I would come back the next week, 
He would engage me in conversation. Oh, your daughter's going to go to the preschool. So is mine. Oh, we live in the same neighborhood. Oh, that's great. How fun. And then after several months went by, he said to me one day, hey, we're looking for more people to serve in children's ministry. Would you want to fill in? It's a great way to meet people. And I said yes. And that was 18 years ago. And do you know who's not at the church anymore? The pastor. But not Adam. Was not Adam. But I'm still at the church. In fact, I'm now a pastor at the church. And the volunteer, he's still at the church. And he's still inviting people to be part of church. I think sometimes we think that the pastor is the host. We think that the worship leaders are the host. Or we think that the people who sign up to welcome us and open our doors, that those are the only people who are hosting. When in fact, we're all hosts. When we've been at a, at a place where we, feels like it, we feel like it's our home, where we've moved past our guest privileges, like we don't just show up and sit around and expect to be served. Our discipleship path asks us to keep moving and to make it possible for other people to have the same experience. When we take all the volunteer roles and we do them for 40 years, we don't give anyone else an opportunity to take that spot, to transition and learn and grow. This, I had lunch or coffee with someone the other day who's new to the church I serve, and she's been going there about six months, and she said, I had a light bulb go off because I've just been, she's like, we decided this is where we want to go to church, and I just kept waiting for somebody to invite me to do something. And she said, I realized that if this is going to be my church, then I should be inviting someone to do something. I don't have to wait around, that if I feel like this is my home, I'm no longer just a guest showing up and being served. I thought that was a really um, interesting move in her mind, an interesting transition. There's some really basic things for us that we kind of lose sight of after we're used to something. I mean, it's, it's important if we remember what it was like to be new. We all arrive in new places. Do you remember what it feels like to be new? Never been somewhere before? Heck, if you've flown out of the new airport, we're all new. We're all looking up at where to go and what to do. I think we have to remember it isn't about us. Like, we, we show up, right, because we want to know more about Jesus. It is for us. We want to be filled. We want to hear a word. We want to hear something that helps us in our daily life. But when we just show up, maybe this week, maybe we don't come back next week because we're sleepy. I don't know. We're just receiving. Because it's important to remember what we're inviting people to. We're not inviting people to a social club. We're not inviting people to come and learn how to do something that's, like, complicated, like play cribbage or something. We're inviting people to a life with Christ, a life that this pathway that we're on, this pathway of learning more about Jesus, how to live like Jesus, how to grow in our love for other people, how to grow in grace and patience and all of those fruits of the Spirit that we're working on every day. That's why we're here. That's why we're on this path of learning more about Jesus. I'm really taken with the vision of your church, a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. 
More than, any our, more than our generation, political preferences, race, socioeconomic status, or theology, on matters of opinion, our highest allegiance is to Jesus, he said. In a divided world filled with tension, we specialize in creating a rare place where relationships are formed that don't make sense according to the world. That is amazing. A rare place. It's rare to welcome a stranger. Totally countercultural to welcome a stranger. It's rare to be uncomfortable. It's rare to put yourself in the position of responsibility to welcome other people. It's rare to tell other people about Jesus out in our world. And here it's great, but when we go out into our worlds, it's a rare thing for us to share our faith with other people. It's rare when we show up to, to be filled, but when we show up to serve rather than to be served. These shifts, this, this walk on our discipleship path, when we learn to be a host, we open up so many opportunities for other people to know this Jesus that we love and know and that we're also growing with. We don't always have it all together. We're always on this path. But we can bring other people along with us. A disciple does what has been done for them. Somebody probably invited you. Somebody probably said, hey, would you like to participate in something with me? And if they didn't, I hope they do soon. <laughs> My faith walk wasn't because of a pastor. I have had a lot of wonderful pastors. But my faith walk is because somebody I was a stranger to brought me along and said, hey, why don't you come and be part of this thing that we've got going on here? Let's be part of a community together. So I pray that you, a rare people, keep being a rare place because that's what brings glory to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are grateful that we can be used by you. We're grateful that you are among us and within us, that we can continue to, to walk this path of discipleship, going all different directions, going forward and backward and forward again. God, we're grateful that you walk with us no matter what, even if you're a stranger to us, that, that you're there right alongside of us. God, may we see the ways in which we can help other people along, see the gaps in which we can fill to make other people feel welcome, to make other people more um, like you, to, to have them walk with us on this pathway. God, we thank you for your son Jesus, for this example. We thank you for hope. We thank you for love. We thank you for grace. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.